Thanks for downloading this episode of School Improvement from Teacher Magazine. I'm Dominique Russell. I'm joined today by chemistry teacher Chris Buswell from Mountain Creek State High School on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland. Chris is passionate about integrating technology into science and leveraging opportunities for students in their local community. He's worked hard for years towards both of these goals and student outcomes and their post-school destinations are really reflecting this. As you'll hear in this episode, Chris has facilitated the use of virtual reality with senior secondary students to help them understand complex chemistry concepts through a partnership with their local university, the University of the Sunshine Coast. He's also part of a network of schools who have partnered with schools in Papua New Guinea for a program which aims to empower future leaders in STEM. And of course, he's doing important work as well with younger students to build those important 21st century skills. Let's jump in and hear Chris explain his school context and his role as chemistry specialist and higher order thinking coach. Chris, thanks for joining me for this episode of School Improvement. I just would love to hear a bit more about Mountain Creek State High School to start off and your role there too. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, So uh, Mountain Creek State High School is on the Sunshine Coast, um, so about an hour north of Brisbane. So we're a, uh, a regional state independent school. We've got about uh, 2,200 students growing to about 2,800 in the next couple of years. So we've just had a, a new STEM building built, which is allowing us to increase our population. Um, so yeah, we're, we're a, um, a mixed school. We run the QCAA program, which is the Queensland State Curriculum, as well as the International Baccalaureate. So we were the first school in Queensland to, to start the IB. And um, yeah, we've got a proud history and um, a very diverse population, actually, like we, we cross a, a lot of demographics. So we, you know, we have a large proportion of our population that take a, a vocational pathway um, right to the other end of, um, you know, the, the academic kids that take a, a university pathway. So yeah, interesting mix of kids. I've, uh, I've been at Mountain Creek for eight years now. And um, yeah, so, you know, started off as a science teacher and that's that's merged into what we call STEM now. Um, I'm, a, I'm a chemistry specialist, uh, but my role, um, I ran the International Baccalaureate Program for a few years, and, and now I, I lead the critical thinking strategy as the higher order thinking coach at the school. Um, yeah, so, so my role is, is about um, you know, coaching staff and, um, and, and about, uh, you know, I guess I'm involved in a lot of science-based programs in the school, and and I reach out, I've been involved in international partnerships, which I hope to talk about a little bit today. So yeah, fan- fantastic school and I, and I love my job there and um, the, the community that we have here on the coast. Fantastic. And so you mentioned there that you're the chemistry specialist. So you've obviously done a lot of work in improving student engagement and achievement in chemistry. Can you tell me a bit about this work and how you're going about it? Yeah, um, so chemistry for me, um, I guess I, I really understand what kids go through when it comes to learning chemistry. You know, a lot of kids really struggle with it. Um, and that's something I went through. Um, and I had to work really hard and, and then it all clicked and, and I just had an absolute love for it. It just sort of um, evolved over time, I guess. And um, 
So, so yeah, my work in chemistry, I, um, I teach across both the, the Queensland and the IB curriculum. And, um, it, you know, for me, you know, my work initially when I first started teaching was all about, um, you know, the practical side, getting involved and learning reactions, getting kids engaged that way. Um, and that's, that's evolved, um, you know, as I've gone through my career. And um, I'm really interested in how technology can be integrated um, in, in changing chemistry, because I guess what I found when I first started teaching um, about 14 years ago was that, yeah, we were teaching the same way that I was learning when I was back in school. Um, it hadn't really changed in that time. And so we, um, yeah, we've been able to take uh, so investigations and, and allow kids to really be creative and to think outside the box and investigate things that, you know, we can do now with the technology that we have. So, you know, like a, a great example, we've got kids investigating browning in banana skins by by taking images of them and, and, and analysing the pixels or crystal growth over time. So a student investigating the growth of uh, honey crystals. Um, we've got students investigating things like uh, colour changing reactions. Um, uh, a fantastic uh, investigation a student did a few years ago, they, uh, they wanted to investigate um, the superhydrophobicity of, of uh, nasturtium leaf. So water bouncing off surfaces. So they were able to replicate that surface using a polymer. Um, we took them to the university uh, and used an electron microscope to image it. And they were actually able to um, not only replicate the surface and, and create a, a super hydrophobic material, but then also then take that further and actually get such a defined mold of that image that they were able to replicate the stomata that was found in that leaf. So, you know, like for me, that, that's really empowering. That, that's what I love about chemistry and about my job is that you know you can take kids that um, they just have an idea they're curious about something and they they create a whole new method for investigating it you know no longer sort of going to google and going what can i investigate it's it's about them looking at their environment and going i'd love to do that how can we do it so can you tell me a bit more about your partnership with the university of the sunshine coast how did it come about and what opportunities is it giving to your students yeah so i guess um it's all about leveraging the incredible resources you have in your region and and what i found uh when when we're looking at our higher achieving students um, a lot of them had this career goal to to leave the coast and go to those you know big universities in the cities um and for me, that, that was an issue because um, it's not protecting the intellectual capital of our region and it's not growing the opportunities for kids. And I guess it was about, um, uh, you know, building culture within our region. So um, about five years ago, uh, I founded the Keeping It Local program and so started a, a STEM partnership with the University of the Sunshine Coast. And, you know, that was about providing opportunities for students to see what incredible resources USC has and um, getting them to engage with it and, um, you know, building that culture for our higher achieving students, seeing it as a pathway. So, um, yeah, two day program. But what the centerpiece of that was uh, I worked and, and pitched an idea to the university to build a virtual reality resource for the Cave 2. Now, quick overview. Um, the Cave 2 is a visualization studio. Um, there's about five of them in the world and, and USC has, has one of these and it's one of the only universities that actually uses it for education and allows students to come in and, and they build resources that allow students to visualise you know, all sorts of things from um, you know, midwifery and, and nursing um, to biology and then all the way now to chemistry. 
So yeah, I, I pitched an idea. I drew up a storyboard, um, drew some basic animations, and I said I'd love to build something for my chemistry students to come and use this this resource, which is a 320 degree room, um, interconnected TV screens, and they they walk into this space, and the images are projected out into the into the room. They wear 3D glasses, and um, yeah, so they 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 thought the idea was great, and. Um, allocated a developer that I worked with and and each year we just sort of slowly built this resource students came in and engaged with it and um yeah we saw a a really big uptake in you know students being able to take things that were very hard to represent on a 2d whiteboard like um you know geometrical chemistry stereochemistry that relies heavily on that three-dimensional orientation of of molecules and um yeah they were able to understand the process and and I like to talk about uh, this idea of aphantasia. So um, anyone out there that's listening, if you picture an apple right now, um, everyone's going to picture a different apple. That's the reality. Um, some people might, you know, a red apple with a, with a leaf or maybe they're thinking of an iPhone, who knows. But um, when, we're, when we're trying to explain chemistry in the classroom, um, we're often, you know, saying to students, I want you to picture this, an apple, a chemistry version of an apple. And um, we're getting all different versions, and, and that translates to poor understanding and cognition in exams and, and assessments. So, um, you know, what I wanted to do is basically create a resource that allowed everyone to see the same apple, so that we're, we're creating an image that, that's constant. And um, an aphantasia is about you know, this idea that sometimes people actually find it difficult to visualise things. So there would be a small percentage of the population out there that, that when I said picture an apple, they, they really struggle to do it. Um, and I've seen this at least one student every year that goes through the resource that all of a sudden has that aha moment that, you know, that click and they're like, I finally get it. It finally makes sense to me. So, um, the journey's been a long one, but, um, yeah, we've had, we've had another growth journey in the last year. So we had something that was incredible for our region in terms of chemistry and virtual reality, but it wasn't accessible, um, to students in classrooms across the state or Australia internationally and, and certainly not accessible in, in students' own time. So we had a goal of making it, um, you know, more accessible to, to people. And so we have now over the last four months taken what was in the, uh, the cave at USC and we've developed a Oculus Rift version of it. So been working with USC, an incredible developer, David Dixon, um, so we collaborate online. Um, he he's the developer that that does the work through Unity, and then you know we we just basically work side by side to give feedback and discuss all the intricacies of it. And um, yeah, we've now got a a, a VR resource that is hundred percent portable, and um, we've done our first tro- prototypes in the last uh, in the last few weeks. So we're sort of you know like basically at the end of of that first stage. So. Um, yeah, we've we started rolling it out with students. Um, I've been showing it off to a few people around the region um, with some incredible feedback. So so yeah, that that's the that's the learning journey side, but also we've got a research component because we want to we want to know what you know what effect this type of resource has on learning, and I think that's really in its infancy across the world. Um, you know, people see VR as an engagement tool. You know, I like to think of it, you know, like it's a bit of a barbecue sizzle. Students go, wow, and then they, they get excited and they come out, but we don't really know whether it's having an effect on learning. 
And, um, you know, the, we want to solidify our understanding, but, but build the pedagogy that goes with VR. Um, I've built a resource that involves the teacher. So um, it's, the resource isn't something that students just sit in and independently track that journey. The teacher is 100% integrated and involved in, in creating an inquiry-based um, journey for the students that allows them to communicate back and forth with the teacher, but also students to communicate with each other. Um, which you know kind of creates that holistic sense of learning and um and that's what we're researching at the moment we're kind of taking that next step and you know where, what's the pedagogy that fits this this model and um you know what's the effect on cognition retention um and then you know the overall uh learning process and how it's integrated into into a regular classroom fantastic it sounds like such a valuable resource so can we go back to Mountain Creek State High School for a second and look at the work that you're doing with the junior students? Yeah, yeah, certainly. So at Mountain Creek, we have a junior STEM academy. So that's for our year seven to nine students. And so we've, we've gone about, I guess, defining what STEM is in our own context, which I think is really critical. Um, people interpret STEM, you know, science, technology, engineering, maths in lots of different ways. Um, and I, that's evolved for us over the last few years of uh, using a design thinking framework. Um, but in particular, what we are about is um, getting students to understand technology. So it's an Arduino based course, but we use a variety of different, <coughs> excuse me, immersive technologies. Um, but it, it's about them taking that Arduino um, as a prototyping tool and building a lean startup business around it that is um, sustainable. So we use the the UN SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals, to, to frame the solutions that the students produce. Um, yeah, so that, that's been incredible because we've got some, uh, once again, resources locally like the Innovation Centre, and so we partner with them. You know, and we've had, we've had students that have built business ideas and they go and actually pitch it in front of 60 industry experts at the Innovation Centre, which is, for a year eight student, um, very empowering. Um, as you can imagine, and um, yeah, it always blows me away. I think we, we've got to realise that students these days have the power of what big companies had 10, 20 years ago um, with the internet and, and the connections and the collaboration that they have. So um, it's about a program that allows students to, to leverage off, off that access that they have now, but really build those 21st century skills that they're going to need to to be competitive in, in our current world. And you know that that's what we're seeing. It's um it's not about academic success anymore. That it's it's really getting students um through life and building you know successful careers. It's it's their ability to be able to you know really work in teams and communicate their ideas and um be creative in what they do. Think outside the box. They're the skills that are valued in today's society. Um, we know how easy it is to access knowledge, and um so that that program is about instilling those values really early. Um, and then they can take that through to senior and, um, you know, specialise in different different fields of, um, you know, ICT or whatever pathway they would like to go down. And so speaking of that, I'm interested then in the post-school destinations of your students with your drive to be able to keep students local as much as possible and keep their ambitions and recognise what facilities they have locally. Has that been translating with students' post-school destinations at all yet or is it still too early to tell? 
Um, yeah, no, we've been tracking that data every year. Um, yeah, so around about 65% of our population went to USC that, that chose a tertiary pathway like that last year, which is, you know, great. But, um, you know, even better, um, in 2018, we had our IB Ducks that is now at USC um, studying a dual degree in arts law. Uh, and then we also had our, um, our top chemistry student that is now studying chemistry teaching at USC. So, you know, they're, they're the stories that um, I, I guess, you know, I, I, seeing that translate from the, the, the schooling journey into a career is um, incredible to see. Um, but yeah, it, it's um, the, the reputation and, and, and the way students see it as a pathway has certainly grown over that time. Fantastic. That's great to hear. And we mentioned at the very beginning of our conversation that you've done some work internationally. Can you tell me about this and what that's involved? Yeah, certainly. Um, So Mountain Creek is one of 12 schools uh, from Australia that is partnered up with 12 schools from Papua New Guinea. Um, So incredible partnership that's run by the Australian Education Foundation and Australia Awards. And and so it's all about um, empowering uh, future leaders in in STEM. Um, So building people to people links, learning a little bit about our closest neighbour, which to be honest, I didn't know a lot about Papua New Guinea when I first started this program. And um, it's really opened my eyes to how much we have in common, uh, especially when we start looking at our, our um, First Nations people and those Indigenous connections between Papua New Guinea. So the, the, the program is really about utilising that culture, that embedded culture that um, we have deep in our society and then bringing it to life in, in, in STEM. So uh, to your partnership, so last year um, we were able to travel over to Papua New Guinea and we visited um, Port Moresby and, and Caravat and we worked side by side with our partner schools to, to use, you know, like design thinking frameworks and build lasting STEM partnerships. Um, yeah, so uh, the services of people like Chris Hart from Unstuck Learning, incredible man, and um, Anna Antonievich from Deeper Future. So they, they're involved in, in framing the, the learning that we do. And then um, we've had to transition into, you know, the COVID phase, um, the online phase. And so now we're, we're just, uh, we're building the, the collaboration around inquiry questions at the moment. Um, so we, we were talking about how do you respond positively at a time of COVID? And it really open-ended tasks that allow students to work together and to, to build a, a project to, to represent what they are doing. Um, the current project we're doing is called WASH, and it's about um, you know, making sure we understand um, how do we um, ensure we protect water, one of the UN sustainability goals, and, um, and ensure hygiene is, is maintained at a time of COVID. Um, it's something that, that the PNG population are, are really um, suffering from at the moment, making sure that they're, they're protected um, from you know the the potential ravages of COVID, and so we're working together to build that partnership. So yeah, um, that that for me is probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, you know, getting to know um, teachers from Papua New Guinea, um, their context, empathising with them. You know, like uh, Philip Tunda, one of the physics teachers from Papua New Guinea that I that I got, I've got to know really well. Um, he teaches seventy students in his physics classroom. So, you know, it, it, that, that for me is, it blows me away. Um, very, you know, the resources are not the same, but they get the absolute results. Their students are so resilient. Um, they, they work so hard um, for their opportunities, you know. So 3% of the population in Papua, Papua New Guinea actually makes it on to year 11 and 12. So 
Um, it's allowed me to contrast the society that we have in Australia with Papua New Guinea and and I've learned a lot from that and I think um, it's something that uh, as a society and our, our student body that we see today um, can learn from as well. Absolutely. And so just finally then, Chris, for educators who are listening to this podcast episode who might be thinking that they're wanting to integrate some more technology into their STEM program at their own school or perhaps begin a university partnership like the one that you've developed, do you have any first steps that are great to take? Any advice for them? Yeah, um, team is absolutely critical. Um, everything I've talked about today has been about building a really strong team that has a clear direction um, and a set of values. And it's all based on trust, integrity and, and respect. So that for me is, is really important. And, and we've always developed a, a BHAG, which is a big, hairy, audacious goal. So um, all along the way that that's refined, um, as we achieve one goal, we build another. So getting that strong foundation is critical. Um, leverage off your context, get to know what makes your context special and make sure that you're building programs that, that integrate that context into what students are doing. And, and the other thing is, um, you know, as I mentioned before, we are such a connected global community and you need to think globally when you're doing these projects. Um, get online and, and build those bigger communities and leverage off each other's knowledge and, and experience. Um, you know, that's really critical, I think. Um, if you're wanting to use technology, it, um, I will say one program, it's called Image J. It's allowed our students to really expand what they can do in terms of investigations. It's a freely available software. Um, every student has a mobile phone these days and they can take videos and images. And from those videos and images, they can extract data. And, um, and so it's one of the cheapest, quickest, easiest ways for a student to build an investigation and then, you know, uh, create, collect data and, and develop uh, conclusions from something that's quite unique. So, um, yeah, that, that for me has been a big journey that um, I, I've sort of started on. And there's lots of resources available online to help and assist teachers in that space. That's all for this episode. To access the full transcript for this podcast, head to teachermagazine.com.au. That's where you'll also find all of our articles, videos and infographics for free. While you're there, be sure to sign up to the Teacher Bulletin to have our new content delivered straight to your inbox.